Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of folkhunter.com, located in western North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we, well, we'll be, we will be joined by a special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in Afghanistan, bringing us today's Oracle Hour topic on the Citadel Deck. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of voodoo, conjurer, root work, as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual voodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening. But if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Miss Kat? Hi. So nice to hear your voice. Um, tell me what's going on in your world. So we literally just about... Uh, 30 minutes ago, finished. Um, we had all of our Christmas stuff in a in a back room um, from where we had took it, take, taking it down for Christmas, and we just finally got it all back out into the building. Uh, so we we reclaimed a room, and um, business wise, uh, I've been re redoing all of our uh, vigil candle labels. So that's been uh, a really fun thing to do. Cool. Um, when you say redoing them, are they going to be similar art? You're just improving them, or are you making all new art? All new, completely new. It's um, going to be in a kind of a style of the ro- ro- uh, Rococo movement. Mm. So it's kind of French, Frenchy. <laughs> Neat. How and, cool uh, is that? Those will be up on the site really soon. Great. All right. Well, um, I guess it's my turn to say what's going on here. Um, I've been working. <laughs> I always do. I've been on Hoodoo Psychics a lot this last week. For some reason, I just got in a mood, and I, I went in many more days than I usually do, and I met many more clients, and I had a lot of interesting time reading for people. I think that's how I spent most of my week, reading, reading for clients. and. Um, other than that, I've been, um, you know, packaging devil shoestrings, my, you know, whatever, my usual job in this world. Um, we've had horrible rainstorms. Now they've all gone away and it's sunny. Um, the uh, Lake Tahoe area is, uh, the roads were closed. Um, we had power outages. It's been a, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week of wild weather. And um, but it all seems to have mellowed out, and everything is starting to bloom again. It got all rained on. And um, let's see. I guess the only other 
um, news I have to report is that um, today we're going to be, later in the day, we're going to be working on something called the Citadel Deck. And if you can open a second browser, for those of you who are listening live or listening in the archives, open a second browser window and look up the name Fez, F-E-Z, Inkwrite, I-N-K-W-R-I-G-H-T, and then you'll be kind of in tune with us. When we talk about uh, unusual decks or limited edition decks, it's always hard to get everybody in the chat kind of tuned in. So we want you to see that stuff as we talk about it. All right. That's all I have to say. How are things with you, Conjurman? Things are, are going quite well. Uh, busy as usual. We're having a little bit of leftover winter uh, <laughs> that we've been experiencing, and I'm very much looking forward to spring coming early, uh, or so we're told it's supposed to arrive early. I'm not sure whether it'll happen or not. Uh, but I'm, I, I'm still having a continuation um, uh, root work around, uh, around jobs. So it is interesting how, like, there was an immediate shift right after Valentine's Day. We look at Valentine's Day as a, really as a secular holiday and not necessarily one rooted in, in seasons or in astrological trends, but it, it really does, you know, map out on people's experiences. So now that Valentine's Day is over, uh, and like oh, within a week after, all the clients became uh, job clients. They were all about how do I change jobs. The interesting thing is, like, it's not how do I get a new job. It's mostly within the jobs they already have. They're looking to either get promotions, raises, or uh, interestingly enough, I've had at least three different clients that are interested in staying in the same job but going in a different city. They're like, I'm not happy with the city that I'm in. I want to keep this job but go to this other branch or this other office that's in this other place. So it's been it's been very interesting planning those out, and I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, the results will be for my clients. Wow. All right. Well, I'm having the job thing too, um, very much so. Um, also, people who have um, – I've had more than my usual number of people reporting medical malpractice this week. Oh, dear. Um, just hmm. one of – yeah, don't even understand it. These things come in, you know, little waves. Um, the medical malpractice people, I've been, you know, kind of directing them to lawyers and doctors. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's been it's been an interesting thing. In particular, I'm just going to say something here. I just, if you are a water sign, but not a Scorpio, if you're a Pisces or a Cancer, and you're having some weird medical thing, please go see a doctor right now, soon-ish. Get an appointment. If the appointment falls through, get another appointment. Because everyone who's called me about these medical malpractice, um, medicine interactions, bad interactions, bad side effects, um, prescription doses wrong, Pretty much all Pisces and Cancers, maybe a couple of other people. Just saying, I don't know why. <laughs> I sometimes, you know, I I sometimes feel like a preacher. You know, this this sermon may be meant for you. Right? <laughs> all right. Well, um, today is an oracle hour, and that means we're going to rush right into our topic. So. Um, I have um, uh, 
given a little announcement about Fez Inkright. And Fez Inkright, for those of you who are still trying to catch up with me here, is located at rosedaughter.com, which Mm. is spelled R-O-S-D-O-T-T-I-E-I-R. Let me try that again. R-O-S-D-O-T-T-I-R.com. Fez Inkright. And she's a artist and she's been doing a lot of things um, working with botanical illustration. She also does custom art and things like that for people. She makes merchandise. And we're going to be talking about um, two different oracle decks that she produced. So just to let people understand, because this doc is going to come in and talk about this, and I'm going to talk about it again, I'd like you all to be able to see them. Okay? Now, let's bring in Doc Murphy. How are you doing, Doc? Hi there. It's good to be back. I'm well. I'm I'm in Paganistan in uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota, where it is 68 degrees and we still haven't had snow. Something just ain't right mm. up here. Uh, it's been a weird winter, but we're all extra antsy for spring. Um, I'm good. I've been very busy myself. Um, three is uh, we're underway for our next project. The, the grant check dropped, and we're on our way to doing more oral histories and research. Um, in two weeks, I'm presenting on it at Paganicon uh, in the middle of March, um, which is the big um, Pagan Con, and I'm going to be busy doing that. And uh, I actually had a fun reading reading day at an occult fair at a tea bar just down the street from where I live and uh, did tarot readings all afternoon for folks coming in to get tea and it was lots of fun but it's how did I get this busy this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) so so that's that's the news out of uh, out of uh, Doc Murphy's world in Pagianistan so all right Um, yeah well the Uh well, Sorry, let's, let's to... talk about, yeah, let's talk about, now I think I've gotten everybody alerted to, to go <laughs> um, go look at this deck, okay? And uh, we already have some people in the chat saying, um, you know, that they like them. Um, Wickway is up, says it's a popular deck. And, um, and so, yeah, if you haven't heard about these, you ought to look them up. I think everyone should buy one. I think they're really great. So I'm going to just say what I know about this before uh, we, we get into it. First of all, this is a, an oracle deck that comes under the general heading of archetypal oracle deck. So oracle decks sometimes take the point of view of using um, either tarot cards or Lenormand cards and moving out into more generalized um, cards, such as, for instance, the Art Deco uh, Oracle deck, in which all of a sudden there were foreign spies and things like that, and they added extra cards to what was basically a Lenormand deck in the time between World War One and World War Two. So they have these interesting other characters. Um, this deck starts with two things, one of which is D&D, Dungeons and Dragons, and in particular, um, as Shiva reminded me, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which is a more complicated game. And it then takes into itself a lot of Tolkien, and this would be material from The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Now, taking all of those characters and what they are, and I'm sure you've all read scholarly articles on Tolkien and where he came from, the idea here was to move from those characters in D&D and Tolkien into archetypes. Rather, these are not Jungian archetypes brought in and put on cards. These are um, gaming 
characters is where this person, where uh, Fez Inkright started. Now, one more thing about this. There are two of these decks, and I think Doc will explain this <laughs> because they are, they are not the same deck, and you you one of them is completely out of print. So take it away, Doc. Okay, well, I have the out-of-print deck. Um, a little bit of a story of how I even encountered this deck to begin with. Um, not a gamer, not a sci-fi person. Did read Tolkien once, saw the movies. They were great. Um, but I was at a pagan festival, uh, Sacred Harvest Festival, um, a couple of years ago, and there was a musician who was playing there, uh, Mama Gina. Look her up. Great music. And she had for sale, she was a very big uh, a contributor toward Kickstarters, and uh, Kickstarter, when people designed uh, tarot decks, oracle decks, any kind of divinatory deck of any kind, she loved to contribute. And, you know, usually as a, as a prize you, or a thank you, you get a free copy of the deck or, or an additional uh, prize that they have in there. Well, she had a big collection of these, and she brought a bag of them to the fest and said, I've got too many of these. I need to get rid of some of them, so I'm selling them. Make me an offer. Go home with a new interesting deck. And so I bought two decks from her. One was just a tarot deck that you know, had some nice artwork, but really wasn't a very good reading deck. But I took it home because it was pretty. And then this deck, which is called the Citadel deck, and it, was, it caught my eye already because it was hexagonal in shape. And the artwork, as we've been talking about, is really quite lovely, beautiful uh, line drawings. Um, on my deck, there's sort of a rose gold or copper foiling that accents uh, some of the cards. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly linear kind of art. Um, really, really basic colors, red, black, and white, um, like I said, and some of the red is foiled like, like copper or rose gold. And I was really struck by, again, these sort of just archetypal, um, mythic archetypes and cultural archetypes are what spoke to me, not being, not being a gamer. But in light of you explaining the, the gaming and the D&D kind of reference, there's such an overlap in the pagan community with the gamer and geek community. I'm not surprised that this was, this was a hit. Um, but I took it home first person thinking, oh, I don't know if I'll read with it, but it's kind of pretty. And then I found as I started adding it to tarot readings as a little theme catcher or just little short three-card readings, it's mm-hmm. really quite a remarkable deck. I have found um, when reading for friends and for clients that the archetypes are so um, close to universal that when you lay one down, no matter who your client is, whatever their religious or cultural or, or um, intrafaith background is, if you lay down an archetype like the hunter or the king or the priestess, um, whoever comes in this deck, they are already hitting the filing cabinet in their head of their cultural stories. They know what the mm-hmm. hunter means if they're a Wiccan or if they're a um, heathen or if they're uh, um, Ifa, or if they, they know who that is in their story, and they can already kind of think in terms of the reading and what that particular character or deity is saying. I find it very useful, and it's and it's again, it's unusual. And now I found out that it's out of print. I have a collectible, so <laughs> so I have the ori- the original Kickstarter one, um, which is the hexagonal one, 33 cards. Um, I think pretty pretty basic archetypes, and I think, and Miss Cat can speak to this because I haven't seen the new um, uh, uh, part two deck, the one that's uh, longer in shape and about twice the size, what the, what the archetypes of those, how they advance on. But uh, mine's still pretty basic, but again, really, really useful and beautiful. So I'm, I'm with Miss Cat. If you get a chance to take a look at pictures of these, really pretty. Okay, I, I agree with you. Now I'm going to describe the octagonal deck. So mm-hmm. this deck comes in... Uh, four suits, uh, which are the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water, plus one, um, well, 
plus a book. Uh, uh, the book is, um, gosh, it's 182 pages long. Um, and it explains layouts for the deck, which are pretty common type layouts. But it also explains what the suits are and how you can tell the little uh, alchemical symbols of Earth, Air, Fire, and Water, little triangles on the bottom of them. And this is sort of a um, the basics of the deck relating to what I would say D&D and also Tolkien. So um, there is um, a district. The Citadel is is an... Oh, I need to explain one more thing. The Citadel is an area, and Fez Wright has drawn a map, and there's a game you can play with dice and the cards (laughs) on the map. And it's, um, it's available separately or with the cards. There are box... I mean... Uh, she's a really great designer and packager and repackager. So there's one whole set, which is one of those faux books, and you open it up, and there's another deck inside of it called the um, the Deck Elements, which is just it was a little extra add-on to another deck that she had done, which was a more watercolory deck. And I, I mean, this lady is really great, and she packages and repackages. So in any case, in the Citadel, the Citadel is this um, place. So at the center of the citadel, there are all these districts, and one of them is the court. And so there is the court cards. And then encircling the court is an area called the academy. And then one suit of cards is the academy cards, which represent learning and aspirations. Of course, the court represents responsibility and achievement and so forth. Then the next circle outward is called the crowd, and these are what we would call add-on characters in AD&D. These are the characters who work, have, have, you know, fulfill roles in a community. And then the final suit is called the troop. And these are the visitors. And these are really add-on characters. So they may be cards of self-expression like poets and, and um adventurers and just other people who kind of wander in, puppeteers and things like that. So these are not the painters and so forth. These are not archetypes in the Jungian sense. These are the troop is really what I would call social archetypes. Mm. So once you understand that the deck is in these four suits, you have something you know about the character already by looking at the suit. It's very similar to in Tarot, and I'm sure it came from Tarot because I know that she knows Tarot and she references Tarot, that we talk about, say, the wands having a fiery cast to them and so forth. But in Tarot, the breakdown of social roles is across every suit. And in this deck, and it's very interesting to me, the breakdown in social roles is within suit. Does that make sense to you, Ollie? Do you know what I'm saying now? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. I'm looking at the deck uh, online, and what I find so fascinating is that you're right. There are very clear references to the tarot. Like, for example, in the Aspirin, you see mm-hmm. hands that are praying and two crossed keys. Crossed keys is like the Hierophant, yeah. It's exactly like the Hierophant was what I was going to say, yeah. Where yes. you can see um, in other images the king that very clearly references the kings that we see in the suites, right? Uh, the the mm-hmm. suit, it very clearly references the tarot, but blends it with 
some narrative storytelling components to it. What I find fascinating is that these decks, these sort of Kickstarter decks, all really popped up in the past, I would say, five years or so. There's older ones that have existed, but they, they really took off in the past five years. And I think they speak to people trying to tap into um, their own culture, their own symbolism, to create meaning and interpretation and divinity. We saw that Oracle decks exist, and Oracle decks have existed for ages, right? I mean, we've talked about the Angel Oracle deck. I think one time we discussed the Otter Oracle deck, which is just a deck of otters, and it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these different Oracle decks, and I think what that does is it opens up the space for you to tap into the symbolism and the meanings that you find poignant or or significant in your life. And with the Citadel deck, it's clear that there's a sort of fantasy element, a witchcraft, shamanic element to it. I mean, particularly when you look at some of these images, they have this sort of meditative, shamanic component. Like I'm looking at the shepherd, which Mm -hmm. is the skull of an animal with hands around it. But it also has that Tolkien component, right? Tolkien is writing a myth. People think of Tolkien as the father of fantasy, and it's true. He does give birth to the genre of fantasy. But he's also tapping into something mythic, which is why Tolkien resonates, right? There's a sort Mm -hmm. of Nordic, Anglo, mythic root that he's tapping into, the elves and the dwarves and trolls and these great kings and the stories of these kings and the consequence of this great war with Sauron. But even though Sauron may not exist in sort of the mythology of a place, it still taps into something archetypal. And I think this is what Dark Murphy is getting at too, right? There is, it may not be Jungian in the sense that you, that we understand it, right? It may not be in the sense of Joseph Campbell's mythic uh, for all his evil, but Joseph <laughs> I was going to say, I hope not. <laughs> the, 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 I was waiting for you to say it. I almost paused. But well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say, really, Joseph Campbell, okay. For all his evil, but you know what next? Julius Evola? Come on, man. (laughs) Guido List? All right, I'll shut up now. (laughs) We'll call him the bastard (laughs) Joseph Campbell, right? The bastard Joseph Campbell. But he writes the Hero of a Thousand Faces, and he's talking about these sort of archetypes that exist. And you may not necessarily see the Jungian archetypes here, but there is a Tolkien archetype. It is tapping into something. Primal. It's tapping into something that does, like, people can pick this deck up and find it legible, even if they didn't play D&D, even if they don't understand Tolkien. There's something about it. It taps into a particular side of our psyche that does make it a pretty effective like, oracle deck. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with me. Yeah, and that's yeah. exactly what happened with me. This is the world of kind of gaming and, and Tolkien and D&D is not one that I ever traversed, but there was something about this deck and how it tapped into even older, um, you know, story tropes and story um, archetypes. Uh, and, and again, there's probably a better word than archetype, but, you know, the, the patterns and the characters in a lot of ancient stories right. that just were able to come out mm. with this. And I also think this is great because I've got the the, the, um, the first version of the deck, you know, the, the one that's hexagonal, that's uh, mm-hmm. 40 cards, and we hear how much this has bloomed into this really, really complex deck in, in the one that Miss Cat has. And I could, you definitely can hear, like, an artist's growth here, too. You know, this is a... Very creative person, it sounds like. Very. Yeah. Um, um, oh yeah, she's she's of... evolved. I, I think she's evolved. As an artist, yeah. This this one also is printed, by the way, in black and a dark uh, blood red, 
and then uh, it has this sort of a coppery gold, rose gold foiling on it, uh, very mm-hmm. delicately done in some places. Something else I want to talk about the deck and about this artist. She has certain symbols. She did this deck called the Deck of Elements, and it contains the things that she uses um, as sort of like marker points for her. An eye with eyelashes around it, but very stylized with a pupil, a lanterns, um, a closed eye, the sword, the key. She has a particular key she uses over and over again. And um, these, uh, the opening, there's an opening eye, there's an open eye, an opening eye, and a closing eye that she uses over and over again. And so these ideas are um, important. They're like um, what's called in music a common tone. It's like you come back to the tone. Oh, look, there's an eye on this card. Again, something similar to the Rider Waite Smith deck where you'll hear me say, oh, look, there's roses on this card, and we had roses two cards before, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's, uh, you know, lilies on this card, or roses and lilies, or whatever it would be, which has led to a whole lot of people like me and like Mary Kay Greer and, and others of our of our generation and type looking at these right away cards for these recurrent images. Um, Fez Inkwright has her own recurrent images and they, there are hands appear over and over again. And Mm -hmm. um, there's these, you know, little arrows. And so some things only appear on one card or two, but others are quite, uh, repetitive, you could say these hands with these eyes on them, and once you start noticing that, you'll be able to take and make connections between the cards. Oh, look, this has an eye, and that one has an eye. So this is in the book. The book is just a little white book. And I'm going to read you uh, just um, one one paragraph. Okay, so from one card, so you understand the way it works. So here's a card that's called mm, the Astronomer. And it shows a whirling spiral with an eye in it and then a, a an eclipse and some circles and, you know, radial lines. It looks like some sort of an astronomy thing with maybe a nebula or a comet. And it says here, gold instruments whirl, a telescope tilts upwards, revealing galaxies impossible distances away. The planets turn reliable and infinite, unaffected by the frantic lives of men. The astronomer thrives in shadows, for it is the darkest night that shows the brightest of stars. Where others look to books and history for knowledge, the astronomer knows that there are greater powers at work in the world. The constellations tell them what they need to know. And it goes on and on. And it also has a reversed version. But this writing to me, is very influenced by fantasy writing. And so the idea here is that you probably will connect with this deck well if you have a connection to fantasy literature. If Mm. you go, what are they talking about? An astronomer, you know, uh, Mount Griffith, I don't know what. (laughs) It's like you won't, it won't um, resonate for you. So I consider this a deck for those who love um, Lord Dunsany, who love Tolkien, um, who love fantasy genres mm-hmm. in general, because it's all about this story. Now, what if someone comes to you and says, I'm unable to sell my house, and if I can't sell my house, then I'm going to lose this other house that's on the market because someone has put in a counteroffer. What am I going to do? Well, with this deck is not probably your right deck to give you an answer here. 
um, it might. I just I just flipped it to the merchant, and I went, well, that was pretty, pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so yeah, it might, <laughs> but um, but it might be that this deck is better for people who are on an introspective path or a self development path. Well, I'll 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 step in here and say that since since I have the smaller deck and it, it isn't kind of doesn't really go into um, the more kind of advanced kind of ports and divisions that you have with the larger deck, um, mm-hmm. I actually find that the simpler deck actually when it does does come down to practical questions can actually be really helpful. Again, this little starter deck um, that is now out of print when I got it only came with a teeny little booklet with some very basic definitions, so it's really kind of left up to. Okay, here's here's the, you know the astronomer. Here's a thing or two about astronomy, and here's what it could mean. Well, I, you know that's nice, but I've actually found for the, the smaller deck, the hexagonal deck, if you're an intuitive reader um, and one kind mm. of steeped in kind of general, um, uh, it, it definitely taps into that a little bit more quickly. I'll be honest, I read the booklet once. I haven't picked it up since. I actually find that the pictures actually are evocative enough. Um, and if you have a good background in stories of other cultures or if people bring to the table the stories of their culture, um, I find it's really effective as well. But, again, that's, that's mm. different readers and different styles and different ways of doing it. You know? I agree with Intuitive you, by the way. Um, the, bo- also... the book is interesting. The book is interesting, but it's a lot of poetry or poetical writing, mm-hmm. which oh. I, as a as an intuitive reader, would not need. I opened it up at random to just read something to show what you're going to get. Mm. But when you look at the card of the astronomer, you already know where you're at. I mean, it makes sense, you know. Well, I think Mm -hmm. intuitive readers also do quite well with oracle decks in general, right? It allows them to tap into their intuition. They do well with the tarot, but I think there's something about oracle decks that allow them, these decks that that move beyond, um, say, set meanings, right? Whereas the tarot mm-hmm. requires you to have some some knowledge of what the actual suits mean, what the what the major and the minor minor arcana mean, you can still be an intuitive reader. And most tarot readers are an intuitive readers, but they have there's that certain meanings that they have, there's a consensus around. Whereas I think oracle decks allow you to a little bit more flexibility when it comes to that type of intuition. Um, and even if if people um, you know are, are confused about say the fantasy element, fantasy does tap in to something psychic in us. It does tap in. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, you look at something like D&D, and there's, there, I mean, as much as we sort of joke about it being a game, there is some magical root to D&D because it's, it's Tolkien, and Tolkien's, uh, you know, root is something magical, mythical, and primal. So there is something there. I mean, I have I have friends that do uh, bibliomancy with Tolkien's book. <laughs> so, I mean, there's... there's a, <laughs> including me. Including me. As far, you, as, right? as far as I know... I was the first person that I knew who used the Lord of the Rings for bibliomancy. There you go. Um, and I did it consistently because my friends were Tolkien fans, and we had the three-volume set with those foiled spines, you know, and we would we would look at it and we'd say, which book are we going to read from? And they knew what was happening. And, you know, you kind of right. know this bulk of the story. And um, I'd say, well, this is a question I think we're going to go to. Uh, the two towers, or we're going to, you know, what oh, is right, going to be? King. Oh, I love that. And, yeah. and and or I could just shuffle the books and pick a book at random with my eyes closed, and then open a page. It worked very, very well. There was no well, doubt you, about it to me. 
Were you clearly inspired uh, one of my friends? Because I remember them giving me a reading uh, from The Hobbit, just doing good mm-hmm. and, it was, and it was very, very accurate. And so I think when, I, when we look at cards like this, whether they're inspired by Tolkien or whether they're inspired by something mythic or they're inspired by maybe their own background in witchcraft or whatever it is, there's something that will resonate with people because it is tapping into an arch- archetype, but maybe not the archetype that is familiar to us in the tarot, right? So it's there. It's a slightly different type of archetype. And again, like Doc Murphy says, maybe archetype isn't the right word here. It is an archetype yeah. there. there is a, it's a symbology. It's just not the symbology we're used to necessarily in the tarot. So you can, you can really look at these evocative images and, and really kind of pull meaning out whether you look at the specific symbols or you just kind of let your eyes glaze over and let the image sort of get absorbed. I'm looking here at the hunter with this mm-hmm. uh, antlered skull and yeah. the noose above it and the arrows, right? And there's, I mean, the arrows in red. And there's something really powerful about this image, right? It mm-hmm. really does evoke something that a reader can pull this card and then give a really solid, interpretation and prediction for their client right uh, there's a there's another thing i want to go back to the gaming part in this book that comes with the octagonal version on page 50 150 150 it says gaming with the Siddhartha, and the whole rest of the book is about um uh, rpgs and it says that in specific that these decks goes well with dungeons and dragons pathfinder and call of cthulhu which it's not quite Cthulhu-esque to me, but it then tells you how to build a location. It tells you the court cards are associated with fire, so you're, uh, you pull, you know, you pull cards. Your location would be hot and arid. The academy is air, so you would be among the hills and valleys or high up on a mountain. The crowd is earth, so you would be in farmland, and the troop is water, so you might be in marshland or a city filled with canals. So actually, it's going to use the deck to create the location you're going to draw cards um for the characters you can also play um make um uh you know character you know what they call them npcs non-playing characters i mean you it's it's how to use this deck to create a role-playing game which is pretty freaking awesome in my opinion <laughs> just say no i'm not a gamer uh, a little complicated for me, but, you know, I, again, I, I, I love that, um, you know, your version of the deck and my version of the deck, you know, yours is sort of the, mine's sort of the seed and yours is sort of the tree, you know, this, this, this branching yeah. tree, yeah. This, where this uh, complexity of, of uh, uh, worlds and archetypes come together. And I think those that inhabit gaming universes um, probably really dig it. And I just love that this, we're seeing an artist's process here, too. You know, I've got this little one that's like, oh, she probably went, oh, okay, I'll see what happens with this. And it was inspiring, and it was a hit, so she just blew it out of the water with the even bigger deck. And uh, like I said, it's it's really kind of exciting to see an artist's process. With, yeah, with, uh, I hope you get a copy of the other well. one, too, Doc. And I, I'm going to look for a copy of the hexagonal one. Something we did not mention, the hexagonal one allows you to tile it. The octagonal one does not. Mm-hmm. It's really and, cool. <laughs> um, the octagonal one is not a regular octagon. It's a long a narrow octagon. If you look at yeah. the pictures in the slideshow, you'll see that. But the hexagonal one, she has a particular interest in insects and particularly in bees and has drawn them many, many times. Um, she is a botanical illustrator, I think, at heart. And so the hexagonal one really comes out of this whole idea of bees and building 
outward, but it also goes to tessellated tile role-playing game boards, if you know what I'm talking about. Can I get a witness? Can someone say, yes, I know what you're talking about, Ms. Cass? Yes, yes, and the mapping and all kinds of things related to yeah. role-playing games are on hexagonals. Right. Yes. So that's where she started. And I would like to get that. Deck. If anyone has a copy of this rare, apparently very rare, out of print uh, version, I would like to have it because it's interesting for its own reasons. They're different. They're the, they're similar. But um, it's mm-hmm. not that she made a bigger, better deck. It's that with the Citadel Oracle deck, the octagonal deck, she basically added what I think is more of a tarot-ish um, layer mm-hmm. to it, the earth, air, fire, and water symbols, and then putting these into these um, suits. And as I said, the most amazing thing to me, and I find this phenomenal, this is the greatest innovation here, is that each suit represents a certain social class, like the four castes of the Hindus, you know. Mm. And I put so a that, on the chat, Miss Pat, for the deck. I'm sorry, say that again? I said I put the, a link into the chat for the hexagonal deck. There's a person in the UK that has a bunch of them that are selling them. Oh, really? Oh, fantastic. Okay, maybe go she can go buy me one before the, before they're all gone. Go get them. <laughs> go get them. Yeah, yeah. The That's great. Are Thank you. The also easier to shovel. Yeah. They yes. These these big ones. I have small hands. These octagonal cards are. Um, taller than the palm of my hand they are from my uh, from the base of my hand halfway up my middle finger that's not a shuffling deck also they're on very stiff stock which is nice but uh, you wouldn't want to be shuffling these are more for um uh you know mingling on a table i think i would be very hard to shuffle them and you would wreck them and they're expensive so i wouldn't be doing that um the hexagonal I mean, one you could it, just to be technical. <laughs> just to be technical for all my card friends, you could do a Hindu shuffle with these, now called an Asian shuffle, but it used to be called a Hindu shuffle. You could not do a riffle shuffle with these cards. I hope that made sense to somebody. Did did somebody? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I I uh, Asha I'll look I it up later. She said, "What's a hex deck?" So a hex hexagonal deck. deck. A hexagonal deck. This is this is the version of the deck which there are how many cards? Thirty three cards and they're hexagonal. And um there's another version that has I think sixty cards and they are octagonal but long narrow octagonal. The difference in names I think is unfortunate. One is called the Citadel deck, that's the hex deck, and the other one's called the Citadel Oracle deck. Excuse me, that's not enough of a change, folks. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. the octagonal deck. Um, so Dr. Um, Shiva just posted we've passed the first client segment marker we have only one client tonight hmm. so um, that's unusual because we usually do have two clients on two, our Oracle yeah. shows and we have lots of people in chat but nobody signed up okay well that's life um, we'll just oh, come like on. you know t- you want a reading come on now <laughs> well, that well that means that means that the, you you and I can do readings and uh, Contraman can do the spell casting. Um, so um, now I'm going to, to talk a little bit more. So um, I've picked the one that's called the suit that's called um, 
the troop. And I have these here. I have not shuffled them because I wanted to be able to go through them in order, sort of. The troop being the sort of the jugglers and the clowns who all did their tricks for you, to quote Bob Dylan. Um, and so we have the adventurer, and we have the brawler, we have the chiromancer, uh, who, which is a palmistry hand with, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, astrological symbols on the hand. Uh, the dancer, who's some, just sort of ribbons dancing in the air. The herald, uh, which is a white rabbit. I found that very clever. Um, a white rabbit surrounded by snakes. Very strange. The the masquerere, which is someone putting on makeup. It's just a face and masks. The musician, which is a lute. The painter, which is big swaps of paint. It's rather humorous. It's big house painting paintbrushes, and they're running across the card, and then underneath where the paint is, it's all of this beautiful gold foil peonies and leaves. It's like you could just slap that on, sure. Then there's a puppeteer who is has a an awake eye in the hand, but with red pupils, red um, iris rather, meaning it's a little bit maybe in control in a way you don't like. And then we have the runaway. And this is a gilded cage with the door open and the flowers are poppies. So there's a, you know the idea of running away from the gilded cage but becoming an uh, opium addict. The storyteller shows shadow play, shows hands uh, with shadows. Um, and the tailor is a pair of little German uh, stork scissors, the kind that embroiderers use, and there's some thread. And these are those little gilded scissors that, well, my grandmother gave me mine. It's very cute. The twins, which is um, twin cranes um, and a yin-yang-ish layout. The weaver, which is exactly what you think it is. It's a weaver, um, hands of a weaver. And the witch, which is the symbols of the phases of the moon. And there's also some um, grains, uh, ears of wheat or barley or something of that nature, and uh, some herbs. So these characters are not, as I've gone through them, you understand, you know who they are. They come from central casting, so to speak. You know, now we're going to have the cantina scene, right? And there's going to be all these people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's 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 the troupe, the cantina scene. Well, we've got you know, there's the puppeteer and there's the runaway. I mean, you know, the storyteller who sits there in the corner. If, if you've ever worked with fiction, if you've ever edited fiction or written fiction, these are your character actors, right? So it's when I talk about archetypes, I want to. I'm trying to be very clear when I say these are not Jungian archetypes. These are right. These are archetypes from central casting in the troupe, as opposed to the 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 court. You know, the aspirant, the assassin, the the diviner, the fate, the, pilgrim, the founder. The thief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. These are different type, different classes of characters. So I thought that was a very neat, totally new way to lay out a deck. I've never seen a deck done like that. I'm really thrilled with it. Um, the, well, I have an. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say one more So this division sure. can be used if you have a question that falls into one of these four classes. You can use um, triangles and pull three 
on the it's almost like an oraculum where your question decides where your answer is going to be. If that makes sense, you know what I'm saying? In other words, should I study yoga or go and get my master's degree in business? You'd probably want to go to the academy, you know, cards. And it's, you know, um, what about that guy I met at the bar last night? You'd probably want to go to the troop cards. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes sense to me. Kind of, what, I was, what I was going to actually share was a, a time when I used to stack for a reading um, for a, um, a hoodoo client. Um, and I was just kind of laying out the cards. You know, initially it was, it was a, a quite, pretty basic tarot reading, but uh, this, this individual was going to be moving to a new place and starting a new job and just kind of wanted some basic, you know, advice about, you know, what, am I, what do I need to know uh, generally about moving here? What are some things I need to keep in mind? And I drew from the hexagonal deck and... The card that came up was a was a was a character archetype called the Forgotten, and mm-hmm. the image is of this of this uh, this the spirit this kind of body kind of floating adrift up in the sky, and there's um, an eye you know eye of wisdom kind of looking up from the earth, and kind of these these lines kind of moving upward. And I said, well, it looks like it's this is sort of this lost spirit um, in the wisdom of the earth. And I said, you when you move to where you're going to, you need to go visit cemeteries. And you need to do that mm-hmm. because um, you need to make allies, not just with people that you're going to do business with, but you need to make spiritual allies, and, and especially the ones that seem to have been forgotten. You know, um, that one just right. Popped, popped right in as an example of sort of an intuitive punch with some of these cards. That like this was definitely about, um, you know, the, the spirits of the dead and how you know they're not forgotten if you remember them or if you make alliances with them. So I advised her, I said, you know, when you move there, make friends, make your your professional connections but also go to parks and go to places like cemeteries to meet the spirits there. So that's an example of kind of a more um, general intuitive um, way of kind of using these symbols. It just Some of them just speak to, oh, if, if what you know, you, with regard to a pack of stories or of your cultural background, that, that's just going to kind of erupt to the surface when you see a lot of these Right, right. I'm going to give a, another example. If I There's a card called the botanist. And um, it, that would, it, it again, has peonies. She likes to draw peonies. But that would say to you uh, to tell the client you should be using some herbal medicines and remedies, right? Um, you should learn about um, herb wisdom. And it's interesting. It shows two hands sort of cupping a peony, which stands for long life. But the botanist card would, to me, be um, similar to some of the Rider Waite Smith cards, where there's a lot of flowers and and herbs that are known that are very identifiable. That Pamela Coleman Smith drew them very botanically accurately, and you can say, ah, you should be using that herb in your magic or in your medicine. So those yes. are those are interesting um, uh, ways to read them. There are some that are very evocative of tarot cards. There's one called the Muse. Yeah. And it shows three cups. And wine is splashing around. It's very much the three yeah. of cups, pretty obviously. Pilgrim, you look at it and you go... The, the pilgrim is a lot like the hermit. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, yeah, there's so there's so many. The pilgrim is a hand holding a, a Dietz a barn lantern for... I mean, it's, it's sort of a joke. <laughs> rather than, I mean, it's a it's very cool. It's a Dietz, it's a Dietz an 1890s Dietz lantern. Uh, she has really a wonderful... Uh, a bunch of images in her head. I have to give her that. Um, they're they're just 
fabulous uh, images. Yeah. Um, well, I, if it's if it's all right with you guys, uh, what I'm going to do since we um, we're still waiting on our on our uh, a client is I was just going to kind of lay down a, an imaginary spread for an imaginary client here to kind of give an idea of how to kind of just read them in a simple spread. So I'm laying well, down. Let me see how much time here. how much time do we have? Uh, um, looks like we have. We have until minutes. Yeah, we have eleven minutes. Go ahead then. Go ahead. Okay, I, I can do this. Yeah. In, I can do this in like three minutes, no problem. So okay, I'm laying down great. three cards: bang, bang, and bang. All right. So the first card that came up is one of my favorite cards in this deck, actually, the Alchemist. Um, the image is of uh, the, the alchemical flask and with a seashell and a crystal and all sorts of other things in it. There's it's the the um, the liquid itself has been foiled that rose gold, so there's definitely alchemical uh, gold in the flask. And it's surrounded by bones and acorns and leaves and all uh, uh, oak on one side, and there's a feather quill on the other. It's really a beautiful evocative image where all of these natural elements are swirling around this flask where, where a dross is being turned into gold. Um, and then the second card is the acolyte, which is, you know, the person that is studying magic. And they're holding a vessel that actually has the alchemical gold in it. Interestingly, from the top of the alchemist card, there's this drop of sunlight or drop of gold that's dropping in. The exact same drop is, is dropping into the vessel in the acolyte card, which seems to me mm-hmm. to have, this is sort of the starting process of alchemy where they have the vessel and they're just starting to kind of, you know, uh, there's scrolls on either side of that card. There's a closed eye, which to me means, you know, still, it's still ignorance or still learning. And it's surrounded, again, by leaves and by brushes in, in red, which uh, evokes autumn, time passing. The third card is the sailor, and this is a beautiful sailboat out on a, a, a kind of a, a tossed, very wavy, beautiful, swirling sea, surrounded on two sides by two koi fish. Um, again, I'm thinking already of the Lenormand deck right there with the, with the two fish, mm-hmm. and the sun mm-hmm. shining in that same gold in the background. Um, so definitely with regard to, to something like, like archetypes, the alchemist is about someone who, you know, transforms the dross into, um, into gold, someone who turns the, what's bad into good and, and kind of basic material dreams into spiritual riches. The acolyte is the one who is starting the journey, learning what it means to be an alchemist and the steps that they have to take and the time that has to pass. And the sailor is about, you know, reaching new shores and the prosperity that comes with that, those with the fishes come along. Um, and the sun that lights the way is also the alchemical gold of illumination and understanding. So that's just Doc Murphy just kind of doing her thing with the cards. Um, no gaming background. But the, again, like you said, there's, 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 there's little bits of iconography in each of these cards that kind of link things together. And if you look for them, and a lot of them are highlighted by that gold leaping, but if you look for mm-hmm. them and also kind of like match the, the shapes and the colors and the patterns, um, all of these things are kind of vessels that are surrounded on either side um, by natural elements, either fish or, or um, uh, uh, natural elements. So kind of mm-hmm. looking for those, those patterns can kind of, you know, toss the story a little bit. So I just want to give a little, like, a little mini reading like that as an example of how you can do that. Yeah, that's, that helps a lot. And I'm going to tell you that those three cards also are in this deck. Um, mm-hmm. But they're drawn slightly differently, but they are mm-hmm. still the same. Um, and so that's a, you know, there's a consistency between the decks. Um, the uh, the the placement of the gold foil on these is absolutely brilliant. One of my favorites okay. is the card of the priest, which is basically a gold foil mirror. You see your own face in it. Mm-hmm. And it shows two hands holding this disc with an open eye in it. So when you hold it up, 
you you have a third eye. It's like mm-hmm. you see your face with a third eye. It's it's clever. It's really clever. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's all I want to say. <laughs> it's like you go, what the fuck? I've got a third eye. So it's really neat, really neat um, thing. And there are, again, the acolyte on the deck I have has a little rolled up piece of paper, like a scroll. And in that same group, which is the um, academy group, there's one called the scholar. And that rolled up scroll is still there. The... Um, there is a little feather pen. It's a feather with a pen point, but that appears also on the alchemist card. So it's like a school for alchemists, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. There's also an ink bottle, and this woman has taken the name Fez Inkwright, so here's her ink bottle as and her ink pen as her symbol. Th- these are, um, I, I think that people who, you know, have a few bucks to spend. I'm not sure how much these are. They are not the most expensive deck you'll ever find. I think people would really get a kick out of getting these. I think that's my review. These are worth the money. They come in this magnetic closure box uh, with all of this fabulous stuff all over, okay? I mean, you know, it's like a, this is a deck for the ages. It is not a very play um worthy deck. It is a um a deck that I would use if I was going to a um oh, you know, a psychic fair or someplace where I was um performing in public. I would not probably use this deck um uh, on the t- as a telephone reader. However, the deck comes with a 182-page book, and every double-page spread has a card and a meaning for it. So you could use the book as bibliomancy without destroying your cards. Just hold the spine tightly because you don't want to crack that spine. It's a little too thick for its um, adhesive, in my opinion. Um, so you can just say, okay, I'm going to open this deck, and I'm going to get three cards for this person, and what you get is what you get, you know. Um, and I'm, that's another, I'm finding out. I, yeah, I find out I got a deal online. I, I got a collector's item deck for twenty five bucks at a fest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's not that they're so expensive. It's also I'm one of those people who wants to be someone who leaves these things to somebody later. When everyone is long and forgotten, someone will look at these and go, "Oh my God, where did these come from?" I God, they were made in 2023. Oh, my God. You know, so you want to keep them in good shape. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's not the same to say. I probably have gone through 15 Rider-Waite-Smith decks um, since I started using the mini decks, and I've probably gone through another 15 of the larger decks, which actually last a little longer than the mini decks. And you might ask, Kat, why do your mini decks last less long than your large decks? And the answer is, I drop the little cards on the floor and then I can't find them. <laughs> or someone steps on them and gets a big boot print over them. Oops. Okay. So, anyway. Um, but but a real reader is known by how many worn-out decks they have, you know. They're, we call them well-loved decks. Well loved. well loved decks, yeah. When you can see the brown scum on the edges <laughs> of them, right, left from oh. your skin cells. I've got like one a good, better. It's there like was a, a well-read book. 
I got one better. There was a, a, a reader who, who has since passed here in Afghanistan who was one of the best in town, and her, every time she got a new scuff or wrinkle or crease on her tarot deck, that worked into the interpretation of the reading, too. And for example, oh, she was reading for a client. She laid out the Queen of Cups, and there was a new scritch kind of on near, near the face of the, of the Queen, and uh, Louis looked at it and looked up at the client and said, has your mother been having trouble with being able to communicate lately? And the oh client gosh. and the client and the client went. She just had dental surgery. I mean, so <laughs> I learned that, I learned that from her that I'm like I am going to keep using my deck until it is like threadbare because each of those scratches and wrinkles and dents actually add to the interpretation of the card as well. So I'm you got to have your fresh, beautiful, pretty decks, but you got to also have you know it's my tools. I get them dirty, and those those kind of uh, inflections and stuff actually add to the reading as well. So I do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's another thing I wanted to point out about this deck. Uh, some of you know, you should all know, Angela Marie Horner, who mm-hmm. also um, goes under the name of Lotus Raven. She reads with a gaming deck called a Raven's Loft deck, and it is much earlier than this. And the art is, you know, pretty nice. It's this is it's not of this like totally blow you out of the water quality. But it's a really neat deck. She's had to go find, you know, gamers and get the deck. She doesn't want the game. She just wants the deck, right? Because she's used them up and they get worn out. It's unfortunately not on heavy, stiff paper. And she gave me um, a copy. She actually went out of her way to find a copy of it and gave it to me. And I was starting to read with it. It's really kind of cool. Again, it has these characters from advanced D&D type characters. You can, if you know gaming, you could read anybody with it, just like, you know, just reading. And I used it for about three years. And she came, she goes, I hate to ask for my deck back. I lost my other one. I can't find one online. Can you give it back? And I had to give it back to her. I said, go ahead. You, It's yours. I just held it for three years. It's okay. <laughs> so the the tradition of reading with gaming decks is, of course, something that, Many young readers don't understand all decks are gaming decks. The fact that this has a game that goes with it just puts it firmly in the same place as reading playing cards or reading tarot. I have to constantly tell people tarotchi is a game. It's a game called tarotchi. Mm-hmm. Read about it. The yep. rules are in print. Yep. Just, you know, it's a game. So, But people kind of bought into that um, Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn propaganda that it was something special and different um which it's not it's a game so this is not a um an oracular deck that's been made into a game it comes out of gaming it just comes out of a different set of gaming than say euchre or poker or tarotchi or bridge all right there's our music Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychic, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. 
Tonight we have a writing client whose situation will read and take his readings and root work advice without him on the air today. Our client is Chris, writing in from Georgia. He has not had a reading on this previously, and he writes, I have several upcoming diagnostic medical tests in March and April, addressing some concerning symptoms I've been experiencing for over two months. Will the test show anything definitive, easily treatable, or will it be serious? Do you see surgery in my near future? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. All right. Um, we don't know what Chris's um, <laughs> sign is, I guess. Aquarius. So, it's the same one that we had from before. Oh, it's the same Chris in Georgia, of course. All right. Well, thank you, Chris, for um, signing up again for the different question. Okay, so Chris is an Aquarius. So I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy to do the first reading. I'll do the second reading. We'll both be using our different citadel decks, and then Conjurman will come in and do the root work advice. All righty. Uh, so, Chris, I'm sorry to hear you're having such medical difficulties. I hope everything does come out okay. It looks like, according to my reading, that, that things will... Well, might be a little bit rough in the beginning, but go a little bit smoothly. Um, you asked whether or not surgery is in your future or if there's something that's going to work out. The first card that came up um, in the Citadel deck in my reading here is the Archer, which has a great big arrow coming right down the middle, um, a reddened arrow that's sharpened on the end, um, which says to me, if not surgery, maybe something like a biopsy or some other sort of invasive procedure, maybe more testing where um, there's going to be... Um, uh, possible blood draws or, or um, um, you know, that sort of kind of they need to poke in order to get some information. Um, but I'm not. It's 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 a small arrow. Um, I don't see it as something dramatic like a knife. So I wouldn't say surgery, but I'd say possibly some more invasive procedures. Um, also on the card are these uh, eagle talons that seem to be disembodied from the actual bird. There are wings underneath. There are talons overhead, and there is this this branch of healing herb. Um, this, this seems to be something about there's going to be a combination of, of medicinal treatment, but also some spiritual, um, some spiritual work that's going to kind of help you stay healthy while you're going through further testing. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't interpret this arrow necessarily as surgery, but it's definitely something invasive, maybe, maybe another injection, maybe some blood draws in your future. The next card that's come up is, in fact, the pilgrim. The pilgrim is um, this outstretched hand that's holding this beautiful white, this white flower, and also hanging from the hand is a lantern with sort of the illuminating kind of rose gold copperish light and the light coming out of it, surrounded on all sides by flowers and roses and peonies. This looks to me not only of um, the beginning of a healing journey, and I'm thinking of the hand with the white flower in it as like the hand of the fool that's, that's extended with, the, with um, their, their hand in the air, but also holding... Uh, the lantern is is the light of peace and wisdom that the hermit holds. There's going to be a period of at the beginning of this journey where you're probably going to have to isolate possibly for a little bit, and there's going to be some rest that you're going to have to do, um, but there is definitely healing that's going to be happening around you. Um, uh, this is a four-card spread. third card is the shepherd. Um, so the card that Conjurman was referring to early, the, earlier, there's a, a, a skull of an animal. It's like a goat. Um, surrounded on all sides by what looks like dandelions and all sorts of other herbs that are kind of um, 
uh, fleshing around it, and two gentle guiding hands on either side. Uh, instantly what's coming to my head is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but also um, the guiding hands of the shepherd god Hermes, if, if you're pagan like I am. Um, this is definitely um, protective hands. This is definitely um, um, medical work that is going to succeed. And you're going to be well taken care of during this period as well. Um, the last card in the drawing that I and the drawing that I have is called the Scholar. Um, there's a, a big eye of wisdom kind of you know, drawn onto the cover of a book, and there's pages that have magical symbols and, and a script. There is the quill and the ink bottle from our author there, and also two pencils on either side, tools of, of learning. Um, there's something about the procedure that you're going to have which is going to help get you more information that you need in order to pursue um, the healing uh, and, and the health track that you need to do. There's going to be a lot of information coming forward. Um, I'm not seeing surgery. I'm not seeing anything major. I'm not seeing complex uh, procedures, but I am seeing there's going to be a lot more data collecting information. Um, it's going to start out a little bit invasive at first, but definitely going to be a period of rest and of taking it easy and of being in the hands of really good, skilled, uh, knowledgeable people who will know what it means to you know, keep you on the right track and keep you healed. In the meantime, it is also a reminder to um, you know, keep your spirituality on the healing track as well. So that's kind of what I'm gauging with regard to this particular reading. I'll turn it over to Miss Cat, who has the more expansive deck of the Citadel. All right. Well, that was really uh, interesting. What I did was I just pulled uh, four cards also, because you had done four, and I like the idea. These are such rectilinear um, cards. The first two I pulled were interesting because they both have hands on them. But these hands are done in black. In some of the cards, the hands are drawn in white. They're, everything in this deck is either black or white. So the first one I have is called the Diviner. And it shows a, a hand holding a little seed which is bursting into leaf. And it uh, says on it, evaluation. So this seems to be about divining in our sense of reading. But I would also say it's about... Um, you will need more medical testing. And it's the idea here is that there is going to be some information coming to you which will be enlightening, will grow more information. It's um, also a card that says, that it, uh, on the card itself, it says timing. That says do not delay to me. Um, this seed bursting into leaf sounds, you know, pretty hopeful, but on the other hand, we don't want, you know, cancer spreading through all your organs. So um, what we want to do is to catch whatever this is as, uh, and get an evaluation of it very quickly. The next card is called the wise one. And this shows a hand that is um, uh, plucking some herbs and um, the, it's kind of goes to the idea of botanical knowledge. And there's an open eye. This is one of the ones that has an open eye above it. And the open eye is, of course, the wise one. It says that you will have some knowledge here. And you might want to use traditional herbal medicine in addition to or as an adjunct to um, whatever you are prescribed. This is not a card of surgery, though. It's a card of, um, you know, using your wisdom and 
The third one really reinforces that. It's a book with an open eye on it, and it's called The Scholar, and it's called Investigation and Research. Once you get a diagnosis, you are going to have to do some of your own research. And here we have um, all of the um, tools of the scholar. We have, um, you know, rulers and, and triangles. We have paper and pen and ink and, and just all of these things, pressed leaves and a scroll um, and an open eye, again, inside of a, a radiant sun at the center of the card on the cover of a book that has many bookmarks in it and all sorts of sketches and designs on the bookmarked pages. You're going to have to do your own research on this prior to going in, perhaps, but certainly after you're given a diagnosis, you may end up doing better uh, scholarly research than what a doctor can. I certainly think if you're an Aquarius, you probably will be able to. The third card, oh, excuse me, the fourth card, fourth card is called the Twins. And this is a card that has two um, cranes on it flying at angles toward each other, sort of a yin-yangish look. There's a sun and a moon. Um, the sun is all in the gold foil and uh, the moon is uh, a crescent moon, but it shows that they're kind of connected. And this card, the minute I saw it, the first time I saw it, reminds me of the I Ching thing about the cranes calling to the other crane. I have something I will share it with you, a wine I will share it with you. So this is about having a partner, somebody who will be your protector, someone who will be your uh, helper, the two cranes are a, a very strong Asian symbol of devoted love forever. So if you have a partner or friend, that partner will stand by you 100% and will, when you are uh, down, they'll be sunshiny. And when you feel sunshiny, they'll make sure that you don't fly off the planet with too much optimism. They'll, they'll see you through this. They will share it with you in some way. It's a very good card. The Twins um, says self-protection on it. So um, that's how I read it. So let me turn this over to Conjurman for some spell work. Yeah, I think you've gotten some really good reading there. What I'm going to offer you is some long-term root work that will both cultivate health for you but also draw in the healers, the people that you need in your life that will heal you, whether it's a partner or, or the, a doctor, etc. What I want you to do is get a small white cloth, and you're going to place this on some. And while you have blessing oil uh, or blessing incense burning, I want you to take a pinch of Althea for healing, Angelica for healing and guidance, fever view, which is fever view, which is really good for driving off illnesses, life everlasting, which is often used to cultivate health, a little bit of time, then place a small lodestone grit. And this is not like a full lodestone. You can buy these lodestone grits. They're small little pieces, but a lodestone grit on top and sprinkle it with magnetic sand. Now, hold your hands over this and pray. 
pray that each of these herbs bring you healing, that each of these minerals draw healing to you, that it cultivates healing and good health, that it brings you healers that will in turn give you healing, that they discover what is going on with your condition and that you get the treatment that you need. Now you're going to take each of these corners, the corners of the cloth, and you're going to knot them so that you create a small packet, a little knotted packet. Sprinkle this with Florida water, hold it up, and pray once more over it. Then place this on an altar, some type of dedicated surface that you're going to use for healing magic. You're going to place near this uh, packet that you've created a bowl of althea, a cup of water, and a white candle. And the way that you want to uh, sort of put this is you want to put the pack, you want to put the packet uh, right in the center. You're going to put the cup of water down at the bottom. You're going to put the white candle to the right. And to the left of it, you're going to place a small incense or thurible with uh, 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 blessing incense. So that you have a, a sort of diamond or cross-like shape with this packet right in the middle. Right? So the candle at the top and the cup of water at the bottom uh, and then the bowl of althea and this uh, incense. Every Sunday, you're going to light that candle, refresh the water. You're going to uh, uh, burn some of this blessing incense, and you're going to sprinkle some Florida water onto this packet and pray that the healers that you need will come into your life, that the protectors that you need in your life will come to you, that the healing that you need will come to you. For the white candle, I want you to use holy uh, oil or 7-Eleven anointing oil. You're going to get this. You're going to anoint the candle. And then you're going to take just a little bit of it on your thumb and you're going to anoint your forehead. And you're going to do this. And what this will do is cultivate the power of healing, the power of health in your life. I like these sort of dedicated spaces, these all when we're doing, we're dealing with something long term. Now, once you, for example, find a doctor that is, you know, the, the right doctor for you, the person who's going to uh, help you through this, whether you require surgery or you require some type of long term treatment, you're going to print out the picture of that doctor or you're going to get their business card and you're going to place it on this altar because they are one of your healers. If you find, for example, um, a healing talisman of some sort, you're going to place it on this altar. This altar needs to grow. You should put whatever religious scripture that you have on the altar, turn it to the verses or chapters that are associated with healing. It can be the Bible, it can be the Psalms, whatever it is, you place it on there. If you have a medical uh, treatment coming up, like some type of surgery, take the paperwork from the surgery and place it on this altar. If you have to uh, do some type of uh, medicine, like let's like say long-term medicine, you're going to keep your medicine on this altar so that you are reminded to regularly take it and you're also doing this spiritual work. This way you combine practical healing strategies with spiritual healing and the two can work together to cultivate health for you. It's important that whenever you walk by this altar, this should be somewhere in your living room or in your house. You should pause real briefly and just do a quick little prayer. Lord, I call out to you. Send your healing light upon me that I may overcome whatever I am facing. And then sort of move on. 
once a week you're going to do this more dedicated ritual where you light your candle, you burn some incense, you refresh the water, you will pray over this thing, you sprinkle some Florida water onto this packet. But every time you pass it, you give a quick little prayer. And what this will do is it will constantly bring healing energy into your life, healing power into your life. If you haven't already, I would also recommend putting your prayer with the Crystal Silence League so that you have other people praying for you, that you have a spiritual support network that also has your back in addition to the work that you're doing. The sense that I get is that, especially from these readings, is that this is going to take a little bit. This may take some time, so be patient with it, especially if you're dealing with something that has been happening for a while. It may require months. It may require some time, so be patient with it. If you find out you have a a chronic condition, and that's going to require ongoing treatment, keep this altar going. So as long as you keep energy and prayer into this altar, it will continue to bring in the good into your life. It will continue to bring in the healing into your life. So this is my recommendation. It's an altar work with a spiritual packet that you're going to constantly be working over a period of time to draw in healing and healers into your life. Let's see if Dr. Murphy and Miss Cat have anything further to add. Wow. Oh, that was really good. And I love the mm-hmm. idea of keeping your medicine on the altar. What do you yeah. have to say, Doc Murphy? Well, I'm just looking at the cards in my reading with regard to verses to uh, use to say to put in your shoe to keep on your altar while uh, you're doing this work. The shepherd, of course, I'm thinking of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Of course. Um, and I, I'm looking at the archer, and I may need to be corrected on a specific psalm. I don't have my Bible in front of me, but I think it's Psalm 121 that has the phrase, I shall not fear the dark of night nor the arrow that flies by day. Um, I, I'd have to do a, a psalm check on that one, um, but that's, that's the Bible <laughs> verse that popped into my head with looking at that. So I think either one of those um, verses. Um, another one that I'll share that is relevant to this as well that I kept in my shoe when I was working at the COVID clinic was out of Psalm 91, which was no, no – no danger shall befall you, no, no plague come near your tent. I wore that in my shoe every day um, to stay well while I was uh, magically protected while I was working at the COVID site. Uh, I can speak to experience on that as well for your healing journey. So those are some suggestions for verses to use. Um, it's actually Psalms 91. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. Oh, nor the pestilence. all right. Yeah, yeah, it's all 91. All, all 91 all the way. All 91. I'm going to just I'm just going to dump this in from a Google search. There you go. Um I don't usually use the new international version of folks. It's just the one that came up. Sorry. Um, find your find your version that works. Yes. Yeah. And um uh I believe somebody put in the chat uh, I believe it was Shiva see also Hoodoo Bible, but they mean Hoodoo Bible Magic by Professor Porterfield and Miss Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Excellent. that's absolutely what a brilliant idea though to use those cards to actually mm-hmm. show that idea those um ideas of the work i like that a lot um mm-hmm. and um yeah um Phyllis Margaret Gabor says, I was going to suggest Psalms 23 because so well it pairs with uh, 7-Eleven holy oil. It's like a divine hug. That's absolutely true. So um, I think that uh, as far as the answer goes, I don't see like heavy surgery. There may be some blood draws or some invasion thing like the archer. Um, Maybe at the most putting in some sort of a little device, but it's not going to be cut you open from uh, stem to stern.
All right. Um, there is time now for us to go to the jewel, the rundown, the award winners, and then the free spell. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays, The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix LeFay, in syndication, Tuesdays, the Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voith, Thursdays, 4 to 5. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Some quick announcements about those upcoming shows on the LMC Radio Network. Monday, February 4th at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend James, myself, Reverend Art, Brother Christopher, and Miss Cole will be reading Palooza 3, hopefully. And Tuesday, February 5th on the Crystal Silence League in syndication will be the topic of the Astral Power Part 7. And Tuesday, February 5th on The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron in syndication with Miss Elvira and Phoenix LeFay will be the topic of the Goddess Hawthor. And Wednesday, February 6th, on the Now You Know show in syndication with Professor Porterfield will be the topic of curses from Henry, Henry Gamache and Graveyard Dirt. And Thursday, February 7th, on, at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Miss Elvira and Deborah Voice will be the topic of Ares, God of Courage and War. I'm going to turn it over to Miss Kat so that she can give us our Facebook Friday winners. Okay, before I do that, I just have to say, I have put these cards back into their box. The inner box has a sleeping eye at the bottom of the box. The outer box has the awake eye. And when you flip the lid, you get the whole thing with the the sword and all the four elements. This is probably one of the best made decks I've ever seen. If you don't own one, go buy it. Okay, now our winners. We have two winners this week. And this is for March 1st, 2024. Our winners are Molly McHenry and Angela Scott. And each one of them has won a Lucky Number Book Special. So what they're going to get is a copy of the book Secret of Numbers Reveal by Godfrey Spencer, Catherine Ironwood, and Dr. Roy Page Walton, and Mr. Frank Householder, and everybody else who contributed to that book. And they will also get Professor Hits Rundowns and Workouts by Professor E.Z. Hits, which is about gambling, of course. The Pick'em Dream Book by Roger Rabo, one of my very favorite dream book um, authors. The H.P. Dream Book by Professor Uriah Kanji, otherwise known as uh, Herbert Gladstone Paris, H.P. And the Kansas City Dream Book by Kansas City Kitty, of course. 
And um, so if you won one of these and you're one of the two winners, respond to the message that you get from the Lucky Mojo Facebook page. Send us your mailing address. For shipping purposes, do not send your credit card to any scammer, please. Okay, that was it for me. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in Paganistan. Take it away, Doc Murphy. Thank you so much, Reverend James. Okay, the spell that I am going to share is going to involve one of my favorite Materia Magica, food. I'm sharing a little bit of the root work that I'm involved in right now. Um, What you will need to gather uh, is some, if you're not a baker like me, you need some store-bought cookies, um, any flavor you'd like, but also try to think of the um, uh, purpose for your spell. Um, Like I said, I'm working right now with a nice, what a nice flat cookie, and I'll explain to you why. It's a nice, nothing too lumpy and bumpy, so you'll want to avoid the nuts and avoid the chocolate chips, but you'll want to go for something nice and flat, like, a, like an iced oatmeal or an iced sugar cookie, uh, ideally icing, but this will work also with just a good flat cookie. Um, if you're thinking in terms of prosperity, you'll want a nice spicy cookie that has uh, cinnamon and nutmeg and Jupiter herbs in it. If you want to do a love spell... You want to think about a sugar cookie. Think in terms of, of uh, your, your um, uh, purpose here. But go to the store and get some nice, flat, preferably iced cookies. You also can get a hold of, um, uh, not only in places like Amazon, but in baking supply stores, you can get pens now that have edible ink. They're part of the whole cake decorating uh, slash magical supplies <laughs> that we're using these days. So get some in any colors that you wish that are appropriate to your spell. Now what you're going to do is, uh, we're going to use the example of a love spell with a sugar cookie. Um, You're going to dress a beautiful red candle, inscribe it with your name, and the name of, come to me, my beloved, whoever you may be, and also dress the candle with a beautiful love drawing oil, something like come to me, or uh, chuparosa, which is a beautiful uh, love drawing oil. And then while you're lighting the candle, you want to take one of these beautiful iced cookies, the bigger the better, as far as I'm concerned, and you'll take the edible ink and you'll write on the cookie um, either a a sigil, a little heart-shaped sigil, or you'll write a script from the Song of Solomon, um, whatever it is that kind of speaks to you with regard to drawing love. It could also be just a prayer from your heart. You know, dear, dear my beloved, please come to me. I'm ready for you. Come find me or a verse from the Song of Solomon. Um, you said, a, a beautiful heart with, with the symbols of your beloved true love uh, coming to you inside of it. Brain, again, a verse of the Song of Solomon, any of them, frankly, um, over the cookie with the candle, and then when you are ready, you will just take the cookie with the magic symbol on it, and you will eat it. And you'll eat it reverently, chew carefully, and you'll want to just ingest and be able to consume and take in that magic. That's an example with the love spell. I happen to be doing shadow work with cookies, and I've never run from a cookie so, so fast in my life. But in those cases where you're doing shadow work, we're doing a little bit of dressing of a darker candle, and you have to kind of ingest right, right on the cookies um, all, these, all these parts of yourself that you're struggling with, so the traumas that you're trying to release, um, the pain that you're trying to release, the names you were called as a kid. And same thing, you know, just, just, just do the exercise of shadow work. And then rather than try to banish these traits, you're going to consume them and integrate them into yourself. 
This also is a great spell to use with money drawing. Same thing. Dress a beautiful green candle. Use the success. The dollar sign, dollar sign, cent sign, cent sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. So draw right it right across that cookie. Specifically, a, a good spicy cookie with lots of cinnamon and nutmeg in it. And then same thing. Pray for money to come your way. Ingest and eat that cookie. And let me tell you, it's a sweet spell. It will also bring you what you want, and it will, it will be sure that you ingest your fortune and it becomes part of you as well. Wow, that's fantastic. We're going to have a more fully written out version of this, Very but I tried cool. to take some notes. Um, this is really, really great. Also, consider the shape of the cookie. You know, your, mm. your Santa Claus cookie, your heart cookie, your <laughs> sunshine cookie. Wonderful. I love the way you say the word slat. Say the word flat one more time. Flat. Flat. I love it. Flat. It's, it's flat. It's a flat cookie. Okay. I can't even do it. All right. We're going to turn this over to James. We're going to go from the upper Midwest accent to the southeast accent. Take, okay. take it away, James. <laughs> thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Man. And thank you, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com in Afghanistan for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest will be Stuart Palm bringing us a, t- a fabulous topic. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Network Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Fury Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in Western North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Network Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show.html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Thank you, James. And, uh, well, I hope you all are used to my California accent by now. Lord knows I can't get rid of it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well. Did you try? I tried. I can, I, can, I can speak with an Ozarks accent, you know. I can because I lived there for years and years and years. Right. I can say Earl just like everybody else says. Or I'm going to put some Earl in my car. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough about accents. Um, let's see. I guess I don't have anything much more to report other than um, if you are interested in um, the things that we're for sale at the Hoodoo Heritage Festivals, we have some leftovers, and in very short order, we're going to be redistributing them to the presenters, and some of them will also be available as freebies. We don't know what's happening, but if you weren't able to attend the 2022 or 2023 Hoodoo Heritage Festivals, keep your eyes open, because some of these packages are now going to become available for sale. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Farewell. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.